Welcome to episode 63 of the X-Files Retrospective Podcast. I'm your host, Blaine Dowler. This week marks the halfway point in our Season 3 coverage as we deal with Season 3, Episode 12, War of the Coprophages. This was originally aired on January 5th, 1996, and at the time that all the IMDb user scores were collated, it came out at 8.8 out of 10. I've noticed a lot of these scores have been coming up in the last few weeks as Fox has been counting down with an episode of X-Files every night until the new season launches in late January 2016, or approximately one month from now. Those six episodes will be covered. They will probably be covered at the end of the podcast and broadcast order, but if I get a lot of emails at bureau42podcasts at gmail.com asking me to cover them right away, I will do so. So the writer on this episode is Darren Morgan. This is his fourth of five writing and story credits on the series, and director Kim Manners is the director here. He's got a total of 52 episodes directed in this series. I don't remember exactly which one this is, but he is just getting started. Although this is a standout episode for him, as he managed to give directions to a bucket full of cockroaches who then did what he told them to do. 300 cockroaches in the bucket, and they followed direction. In any event, this episode takes place primarily in Massachusetts, in a fictional town called Miller's Grove, Massachusetts, with a premise inspired by reports of Orson Welles reading War of the Worlds over the radio causing panic. Now, Darren Morgan is not really a fan of the X-Files, as we mentioned before, so he deliberately subverted its tropes as often as he could manage, and this episode is no exception. So in this one, Mulder is investigating a series of UFO sightings in Miller's Grove. Now, the name of that town is a play on Grover's Mill, since Grover's Mill, New Jersey is where Wells' War of the Worlds took place. So he's drawn into a series of seemingly cockroach-related deaths, but those deaths appear, eventually, to be coincidental. With each death, he phones Scully, she makes some suggestions over the phone, and she's bang on. So the first one we see die, the exterminator, actually has a cockroach allergy. Next up is, quote-unquote, the dude, who dies due to self-inflicted wounds from a drug-induced state where he is so stoned on the homemade drugs he creates that he believes cockroaches are crawling into and under his skin, and he tries to cut them out. The coroner dies of an aneurysm when dealing with a particularly nasty bout of constipation, and a hotel guest dies with a heart attack due to panic, and so on and so forth. The investigation eventually leads Mulder to a government facility that's performing some sort of secret experiments. When he gets there, he finds that those experiments involve infesting a house with cockroaches. These experiments are being run by Dr. Bambi Berenbaum, who's named after real-life entomologist Mae Berenbaum. This time, Mulder's early suspicions are all incorrect. But as things go on, Scully becomes convinced that there's something weird going on in this town, which leads to some great phone conversations between the two of them. And... You know, Scully eventually decides to come check it out, and she's at a convenience store where there's a mob scene to the point where there's a car crash out front. That was unscripted. The car's actually crashed, and Gillian Anderson paused to make sure everyone was okay before she continued filming the scene. But as we went forward and found that all of Scully's suspicions about these causes of death were true, we also find that some of these cockroaches have metal exoskeletons. And Mulder goes to Dr. Ivanov, a local scientist, and gets essentially confirmation that, yeah, these appear to be robotic interstellar explorers that are way beyond human technology. Now, this is one with a rather notable cast. So running through them in the order of the credits as they appear in the IMDb, the first is Bobby Phillips as Dr. Bambi Berenbaum, who's probably best known for Showgirls, Carnival of Souls, the Chameleon series, and Evil Breed. 
We have Ray Burke as Dr. Jeff Eckerly, who's very recognizable from virtually every 1980s hour-long drama and a few of the sitcoms. He's also been in the Naked Gun series, A Serious Man, and Star Trek Insurrection. Now, Dion Anderson is Sheriff Frass, Frass being the technical name for insect dung. He's best known for his work in The Shawshank Redemption, Dying Young, Mr. Deeds, and Havana. Bill Dow appears this time as Dr. Newton. It's his third appearance on The X-Files and the third character he's played, although his second character, Chuck Burke, is the character he plays from this point on, Charles Burks. Alex Bruhensky is the exterminator in his first of two appearances on The X-Files. He's also known for Look Who's Talking, Bird on a Wire, Scary Movie 4, and The Possession. Ken Kramer appears in his final of three appearances on The X-Files as Dr. Ivanov. He previously appeared in The Erlenmeyer Flask and 3. Nicole Parker is appearing for the first time in two appearances in the same recurring role, both in this season as the red-headed chick. She's also in Sliders, Millennium, Excess Baggage, and Saban's Ninja Turtles The Next Generation as Venus de Milo. A.J. Buckley appears as the dude. He's also in CSI New York, Good Dinosaur, Happy Feet, and Disturbing Behavior. Tyler Labine appears as the other stoner character, and as with Nicole Parker, this is his first in two appearances in the same recurring role. He's also in Tucker and Dale vs. Evil, Rise of the Planet of the Apes, Reaper, and Monsters University. And finally, we have someone in a smaller role than I usually talk about, especially for someone who hasn't gone on to bigger and better things, so they say. But Norma Jean Wick plays the reporter who's cut off in the hotel room by the guest who turns to a Marilyn Monroe movie. I just thought that was an interesting coincidence because Norma Jean is Marilyn Monroe's real birth name. So either this is an interesting coincidence or they picked out the movie that that guest would flip to after the reporter was cast. So this one is definitely one of the funnier episodes of the series and tends to be pretty popular with fans. Surprisingly, it's not as popular with writer Darren Morgan, who says each time he watches it, he enjoys it less, that the episode is all over the place and doesn't really accomplish its goals. This is also the first one I've had the opportunity to watch in the Blu-ray format. Now, they have released the entire series in the 1.78 to 1 widescreen format on Blu-ray. Now, the first four seasons were not shot in that format, so there's been a little bit of reformatting in the credits, and there's been some cropping of the images. Whoever did it, at least if this episode is typical, has done the best job they could with the technology available, given that they couldn't go back and reshoot and even if they did, it's been 20 years later, so none of the cast would look the same. There's no point to trying to do it that way. They've done a decent enough job, but I don't know if I would strongly recommend the Blu-ray for any seasons earlier than season five, since the seasons before that and all the episodes were really composed for the 4x3 screens. So that's where the coprophage is. Coprophage being a technical term for dung eaters. Now, typically, this series comes out every two weeks. And in two weeks, we will cover the next episode of The X-Files in Sizzy G. But we will also be covering all the shows that did spoofs of The X-Files along the way. And that's what we're going to be doing next week. We're looking at Reboot, a Canadian children's show, Season 2, Episode 9, titled Trust No One. Now, remember, I'm looking for listener feedback now on two topics. First, there's the vote about how to handle Millennium, as was discussed last week. Since it was originally conceived as a separate entity and only crossed over later, should I or should I not cover Millennium along with Season 4, or should I finish The X-Files completely and then make the shift over to Millennium after the fact? And then the second question that just started this week earlier in the episode is, when should I cover the new series when it launches again in January? Should I cover it immediately, 
or should I cover it down the road when there's more information known about it? Then we can discuss it as it fits into the continuity following the second film. So answers to both of those questions can be sent to bureau42podcasts at gmail.com. Please rate this and any other shows you listen to on iTunes or on Stitcher. It really does help them get noticed. And finally, thank you for listening. Intro and outro music is Outside Poolside by Laswell, created under the Creative Commons license. All other content copyright 2015, Bureau 42. Please feel free to send any comments or feedback to bureau42podcasts at gmail.com or leave us a review on iTunes or Stitcher. Thank you for listening.